We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to A Taste of Romamu, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Romamu, please visit romumu.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. It was a year ago today, at least in Parsha counting, it was a year ago today when the adult B'nai Mitzvah at Romamu came up to chant their aliyot. This is the first group of adult B'nai Mitzvah. Came up to chant, oh, chant their aliyot and to be called to Torah. And they came, when we first sat down to learn their aliyot together, there was much collective dismay because this was perhaps the most repetitive of of sections of the Torah. It was so repetitive that they felt like there was nothing special in each one, and they weren't sure they particularly wanted to do it. So basically, I'll just give you an example of what these verses sound a little bit like. And then the next verse. And then another verse later. But what they found by the end when they came up to Lane was this section became like a mantra. And the section they were reading is all about counting. Counting people, it's a census. And it's saying who by the names, who by name, from the names of their families, from their households, and skull by skull, we count each person in the tribe. So there was great excitement to come up and actually everyone, everyone who was reading an aliyot, there were, we had eight that day, and we all, they all stood up for each other's aliyot kind of as a collective, almost as if each one was one of the tribes. So we begin this book of Bamidbar with numbers with counting, with a census. The first will also end the book of Bamidbar with a census. So while the group was excited to come up by the end and read it together as this kind of mantra and as this collective and this counting, they weren't so excited about something else, which we'll get to in a moment. So first of all, there is a tremendous amount of beautiful Torah written about this census and what it, what it was to count. That each of the 600,000 Jewish souls that were counted in the census correspond to the 600,000 letters approximately in the Torah. And each soul counted, each one of us, is a letter of Torah. And if one letter, as we know, if one letter from Torah 
is erased, the whole Torah scroll is pasul. We can't read from it anymore. This Torah is so beautiful that it's a pity to point out that the 600,000 letters that have been counted, that the 600,000 souls and skull by skull that have been counted are only men from age 20 and up who are able to serve in the army. It's a pity to mention that there's 600,000 other letters that are missing. And this was a big struggle for our adult B'nai Mitzvah class. Particularly the B'not Mitzvah in the group were struggling with this. The moment that I mention, the moment that I mention the, this, the lack of counting, the moment I mention not being counted, that my letter wasn't inscribed, I'm told that I'm reductionist, strident, too concrete, even nearly 30 years after Judith Plaskow standing again at Sinai was first published. Okay, so you're not officially counted, but why belabor the point? You just go in and you extrapolate that you too are counted. You're one of the people, we're all there, right? Judith Plaskow writes at the beginning of standing again at Sinai, it's far easier to read ourselves into male stories than to ask how the foundational stories within which we live have been distorted by our, by women's absence. So instead of today reading myself into a male story view, I'm going to explore another story, a different kind of accounting where I was present and where all of us were present. Because we're in the midst of accounting, we are at 48 and a moment, in another moment or few minutes, we will be to the very last night of this counting. And we will arrive at a place tomorrow where, please God, we will receive Torah. And I want to bring tonight together, I want to weave together two midrashim about the Torah that we received at Sinai and the voice from whom we received it. In the hour in which we received Torah at Sinai, the divine voice appeared to us. Do you know those statues? You know, when you walk into a museum, there can be a thousand people in one room, but that statue is looking at you and you and you and everybody in the room. That's the voice at Sinai. This is how we heard Torah. Does that make sense? Think Mona Lisa. Right? You walk in, you're like waiting for three hours at the Louvre. There's a really tall person in front of you. And then finally, like, boom, it opens. There's a clearing and she makes direct eye contact with you. And she shares her secret and it was all worth it. That is the divine voice at Sinai. Because when we think about Sinai and we say we were all there, this collective receiving Torah, it wasn't that way. Because we don't say, it doesn't say in the, in the Torah, God doesn't say, Anochi Hashem Eloheichem. God doesn't say to all of the Israelite people, I am all of your God. God says, Anochi Hashem Elohecha. 
I'm your God, and I'm your God, and I'm your God. And even the person who's hiding in the back who wants to sneak out before Kiddush, I am your God too. <laughs> that experience at Sinai, this is the sound of revelation. Now, not only did each of us hear something different, but the second Midrash teaches that the voice was calibrated to our souls, to our individual souls. Kol Adonai Bakoach, the voice of God, depending on the strength or where you are in life, whether you are a two-year-old, whether you are a grandmother, whether you are, I don't know, middle-aged, that this voice speaks to you something different than it speaks to him. And it whispers a secret. Maybe it's, maybe it's a charge, a challenge, a joke, a recipe. But each one of us hears something different and we hear it in a different tonality that is just for us. And what that means is that the Torah is not complete until we listen to each other's Torahs because we received something different. That it's our job to say, Renee, what did you hear? What did you hear? And I know you guys are together all the time and like you are, you are the most unified and you each heard something different. So how do you tell each other what you heard? Each of us, <laughs> it's a long night. Each of us carries a precious piece of Torah. Every one of us carries a small piece of the puzzle. And so we can't get full Torah until we listen. It's like a Torah scavenger hunt. We have to see how many Torah gems we can hear. We need to listen to our teachers, our friends, our mother, mothers-in-law, our perceived enemies, to listen for Torah to listen in the words and to listen behind the words. Last night, Romamu, finally, after, after three years, we had our first a pilot, um, kind of like a, a control, not a control group. What's the word I'm looking for? It, it was a pilot group. We had a pilot. We had a pilot group of 17 incredible members of Romamu. And we gather together with a facilitator from this organization called Resetting the Table, which works with communities, organizations, on, and just people on how to have difficult conversations. The primary focus is around Israel-Palestine. And now it's also around how they go throughout America and how do Democrats and Republicans even speak to each other? How do we engage in civil, civil discussion and in actual conversation without shutting down across difference? So we had an exercise in the middle of the, in the middle of the evening where we had to get, get with one other person with whom we knew we did not agree. And we had to sit down and we had to listen for two minutes, look them in the eye and say nothing and listen to their response. I'll actually give the, it was about, the prompt was, do we have a Palestinian partner for peace? And we had, we had sort of gone and gotten into a group and earlier we had st stood in different places in the room if we agreed, strongly agreed, if we strongly disagreed and somewhere in the middle. And we had to get with someone from the opposite end of the spectrum and we had to listen for two minutes 
what they felt, where they were, what, they, what their experience was. And then we had to, after the two minutes was over, we had to reflect back exactly what we heard and what we heard in their emotional and as well as their emotional content and as well as the content of what they were saying. And we had to reflect back until the person said, yes, I feel heard, you heard me. That should be so easy, right? <laughs> um, and it really wasn't for, many, for most of us in the room. This is also something, by the way, that's done a lot in couples counseling of how do you listen and reflect? And the questions that were coming up was, what does that mean about me if I'm sitting here and listening and reflecting back what this person just said? Does that mean I'm agreeing with them? My first instinct is to completely shut down or even to just start sharing my own opinion before they're finished. But this is a kind of a spiritual practice to sit and to listen, to not negate ourselves, neither to close ourselves, not to agree, but to listen and to hear. If you will surely listen, Brenda Euland from The Art of Listening writes, listening, not talking, is the gifted and great role. So try listening. Listen to your wife, your husband, your father, your mother, your children, your friends, to those who love you, to those who don't, to those who bore you, to your enemies. It will work a small miracle and perhaps a great one. Okay, but wait, you might be saying, but Rabbi Jessica, like I get listening to someone in my community. I get how beautiful and inclusive it is to imagine that each of us has a piece of Torah and we've got to listen to each other. But what happens if there, someone's piece of Torah is, is, is filled with hate? When someone is preaching the most nasty violent speech, when someone preaches dishonesty, we don't sit there and listen. There is a place where we recognize what isn't Torah, because I am darn sure that that's not what you heard at Sinai. And the ability to distinguish is nearly as important as the ability to be able to listen. For me, I was actually speaking with my father today. Um, he's my chavruta. And my own place, because I can sit in a room with people far on the right of me and far on the left of me on Israel-Palestine, and I can listen and I can reflect without going absolutely crazy inside. I can listen with resilience and compassion, but the moment someone discusses my right to control my own body, as a woman, I'm no longer standing at Sinai with ears open. I am a warrior. And that's when I, I remember to something called the Public Conversations Project. It was six leaders, six women, three on each side of the divide. It was in 19, early 1990s after there was um, a man who had walked into a Planned Parenthood clinic in Brookline and had shot and killed two women. And right after that, these six women came together with a public conversations project and said, we need to talk to each other. We know we're not going to agree. We have to talk to each other and we have to listen to each other.
They came out of it six years later. They thought they were going to have five sessions. They kept going for years and years. And no, they didn't change each other's minds. But what they did do was hear each other, re-examine their own perspectives, and they sustained and grow, grew relationships across this divide. <coughs> so we have to know the difference of who we listen to, whose Torah we need to hear, even across, across, especially across divide, and what is just not Torah. When it's a misogynist, self-proclaimed groper who will do everything in his power to curtail the rights of women, that is not Torah, and we are not listening. When a woman with deeply considered beliefs uses language of pro-life, as hard as it is for me, I must listen with compassion and resilience. For me, the hardest thing is when someone who derives their beliefs on abortion from thou shall not kill, and yet they're not fighting for gun control with the same vehemence with which they oppose a woman's right to choose, that's particularly difficult for me to listen to. But I want to get back to listening. Because I experienced a kind of listening last night with this group of 17 people from Romamu working with resetting the table, a kind of listening that the feminist theologian Nell Catherine Morton spoke of. She spoke of a listening that listens a person into speech. She explains the going logic for all of us is that someone speaks precisely so that someone others can more accurately hear. And she says, there is a different kind of listening, a depth hearing that takes place before the speaking, a hearing that is far more than acute listening, a hearing engaged in by the whole body that evokes speech, a new speech, a new creation. She describes a woman who had been heard into her own speech. She describes this kind of listening as revolutionary and profoundly theological. Hearing of this sort is equivalent to empowerment. We empower the disinherited, the outsider, as we are able to hear them name in their own way their own oppression and suffering. In turn, we are empowered as we can put ourselves in a position to be heard. Hearing in this sense can break through political and social structures and Im image a new system. She writes, a great ear at the heart of the universe, at the heart of our common life, hearing other human beings to speech, to our own speech. I first heard of her writing from Rabbi Sharon Cohen Annisfeld, who is my teacher who's come and spoken here often. And the first time she came to give a Dvar Torah, she said, my experience of speaking at Romamu was being heard into speech. I also want to echo that is my experience of my first rabbinate of coming here terrified and the experience of being heard into speech. And we can do this for each other, for those we don't agree with, especially not the people with hate, but we can listen to each other. So I want to bless us with that kind of ear that kind of Sinai, that kind of Torah, where we hear each other and we also know the difference between hate speech and Torah. 
so let's listen.